Well, good morning. Welcome home. We are so glad you are here today. And uh, we're excited this morning to be wrapping up our series called Be Generous. It's the best way to live. Can you say that with me? Be generous. It's the best way to live. And that is the truth. That's what we've been talking about during this series is that generosity specifically towards other people is absolutely the best way to live. In fact, many of us know people whose lives are about being generous towards other people. And as a result of that, a lot of times they are the most fulfilled and satisfied people in life. It doesn't mean they don't have stuff going on in their life. It just simply means that when we devote our lives to being generous to other people, it allows us to be content and satisfied despite the things that are going on in our life. At the same time, we all know people who are only generous towards themselves. And while being generous towards themselves, they find themselves maybe not happy and not content and not satisfied no matter how much money they have or how much things are breaking their way. Because God has hardwired us to value being generous towards other people, whether we like it or not. And that's really the truth this morning. Most people value generosity towards other people. Amen? That's the truth. In fact, if you're a football fan, last Saturday you may have heard this story. Uh, Jeff Allen, who's a Chiefs backup guard, was on his way to the Chiefs game before they beat the Patriots and are in the championship round tonight. He was on his way to the game. He got stuck. And when he got stuck, you know, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And there was this guy named Dave that came along and pushed him out. And Jeff went to the game. And of course, they won. You know, the Chiefs won. They won last week. They won the game last week. I said they won the game last week. 30 to 13. 30 to 13 is the score of the game. I'm getting hung up, aren't I? Yeah, the Chiefs, 30, 31? 31 to 13. I've got, I got a crowd here with me. They won 31 to 13. And after the game, Jeff Allen had this tweet that he put out. He said, my car got stuck in the snow before the game that we beat, you know, the Colts. And a nice guy named Dave helped pull me out without knowing that I was a player. I want to give him tickets to the AFC championship game. You know, that's tonight when they beat the Patriots. (laughs) Right, Mike? Yep. And uh, he, I don't know how to contact him. He drove a 97 or 98 black Suburban. What you see on the screen there is there was 44,000 loves or likes, whatever you want to call that, 19,000 retweets, and 930 comments. Why? Because people value generosity. So they send that out, and someone found Dave, and this is Dave. You fake Daves out there? I'm the real Dave. I'm the real Dave. I was driving down 40 Highway, and I see a couple cars stuck, and uh, I pulled one guy up out of there right before that, and I seen this other car just stuck on the side of the road, so I told him all day, I was like, like we got to help him. I just pulled over, and I went to go help him, and after I get done helping him, he told me he's a Chiefs player. I didn't look at him as no Chiefs player. I just looked at him as a normal person, you know what I'm saying? And would hope that he would do the same for me as if I did for him. 
I seen the message this morning, man, and I ain't gonna fake with y'all, man. Call me soft if you want to, homeboys, but I started balling. I started balling for real, I did. And just know that he is a man of his word, and he actually reached out to contact me. It's like a dream come true, you know what I'm saying? And I plan on taking my sister Felicia, my, me and my lady, Alicia, and we're gonna have a blast. I don't expect nothing in return, you know what I'm saying? I, all I was, uh, was expecting was a thank you. I got down the street and I ran out of gas after I got done doing all that, but it's okay because God blessed me and I, I mean to be able to get around in this, so I try to bless other people to help them get through here because I know it's cold out here. I got two broken windows out the back. He lives in that car. I mean, it's just my every, it's my home. It's a home. I don't want, you see my plastic on my windows? I can't afford them yet to even, to even for replacement. I had to put plexiglass right there. I got my thermal blanket up there so we keep warm. It's just my truck. I had to stop. I had to stop. I mean, because I don't like to be in the cold, and I didn't think they would like to be in the cold either. So I had to stop. I had to. I had to do it. It said Texas plates. That's why I said he wasn't used to this weather. You know, he ain't used to this coldness. He's from Texas. You know what I'm saying? But I love you, Jeff, man. Hey, and I appreciate it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Shout outs go to your your wife and your family, and thank you, bro. Isn't that a cool story? You know what's interesting about that story is is that on paper, we would all assume that Jeff Allen, who probably makes $2 million a year as a backup, would be the person that would extend generosity to Dave, who's homeless. But the reality is generosity is not a socioeconomic thing. It's not a, you know, a football thing. He didn't even know who he was. It's just a, a God thing. It's a thing that we're all hardwired with to be generous to people. And so today, that's what we're talking about. Most people value generosity towards others. Read that with me. Most people value That's true. However, Jesus didn't die. So we would value generosity towards others. Jesus died so that we would be generous towards others. Jesus didn't die so that we would be, that we would value generosity towards others. He died so that we would be generous towards other people. You know, I value that our church has a college house over here called the Homestead, and they reach out to people. I'm proud of that, so I tell people that in the community. I value that people every year send all of our kids from our church to camp. Yeah, I value that. I'm so proud of our church. Do you know if you go to our church, I value the fact that there's people outside in the parking lot when it's cold outside willing to shake people's hand. I value that. I value that somebody would stop and help a guy who's stuck and you know, it, I value it. It warms my heart that a homeless guy would stop and help a Chiefs player. I, I value that. Folks, Jesus didn't come for us just to value generosity. He came so that we would be generous. Jesus was talking to some religious people, and they began to ask him what they needed to do to inherit eternal life. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus just looked at him and said, well, what are the commandments? And the religious guy said, well, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus says, yeah, you're right. So then the religious guy says, well, who's my neighbor? If I'm supposed to inter- you know, inherit eternal life, and that means loving God and loving my neighbor, well, who's my neighbor? 
And Jesus told the story that Adam shared with us a couple weeks ago about this good Samaritan. There's a priest and a Levite and a good Samaritan. It's not a, a bar joke or anything. It's an actual you know, parable that Jesus told. There's a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan. And, and more importantly, there's this wounded guy. You know, this Jewish guy that's walking down the road in a, you know, a band of, you know, of bandits, right? That's what scripture says. But thugs, whoever, what do you ever want to say? They come by and they beat him up. They steal all his stuff. They strip all his clothes off him and he's on beside the road and he's naked and he's hurting and he's broken. And this pastor, this priest comes by, probably in his mind, he's thinking to himself, man, well, a pastor's coming by. So I'm in good hands with Allstate, right? Well, the pastor looks at him and he just decides, I don't have time. I got to get to church. And he goes on by. Then the temple assistant comes by and he values generosity. He values that this man is hurt because he walks to the same side of the road that this man that's beaten at, you know, is beaten up, is on. Crosses over to that side. And he values this man being hurt and he values somebody needs to be generous. I value generosity. I need to tweet about this. Throw it on Instagram. But I personally don't have time to do anything about it. So I'm out. Jesus then explains. Then there's a Samaritan Kind of like Dave, right? Some people wouldn't necessarily put on a platform and say, this is a picture of generosity. And, and in fact, not only was it not a picture of generosity, the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And Jesus explains to them, generosity is not about Jews and Samaritans. It's not about Jeff Allen and Dave. It's a kingdom thing. The Samaritan not only valued generosity, he took time out of his schedule to stop and help this man. Not only help him, but put him on his own horse or donkey, whatever he was on, and took him to an inn and said, hey, would you look after him? And here's the deal. Here's some money. And if this isn't enough, when I'm coming back this way, I'll pay the rest. Jesus finishes that story, that parable, and he looks at you know, the, the religious and he says, now, which one of those valued mercy that's not what Jesus says. He says, which one showed mercy? And the religious man says, the one who showed mercy. Really what he said was, which one was the neighbor? And the man says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, now go and do the same. What Jesus didn't say was, who's the one who valued mercy? Now go and value the same. He says, now go and do the same. Let's read it. Go and do the same. This morning, there are lots of churches, lots of Christians, lots of followers, right, that call themselves followers, who only value generosity. Folks, God's called all believers, including us, to not just value, but to be generous because it's the best way to live. Why? Because generosity, this is what Jesus was trying to get at. Generosity towards others gives people the clearest picture of who God is and what his love looks like. People don't care what you and I know. 
They don't care that you know, if you know how to read the Bible, you are, you are an excellent children's quizzer, right? And then you went into teen quizzing, and you can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. You've read the Bible a hundred times. You're, you're, you know, overachiever. People don't care what we know until they know that we care. Generosity is the clearest picture of who God is and what His love looks like. Why did 44,000 people like and 19,000 people retweet a homeless guy pushing a Chiefs player out of the ditch because we value, we're hardwired to value generosity. But it takes the Spirit of of God in us to consistently do generosity. From this story that Adam talked about and what this series has been about is there's three main ways that we can be generous towards others. It's our time, our talent, and our treasure. I was a lost pup when I was 11 and 12 years old. My family was going through a mess, and I had a an adult in my life, he was actually my youth pastor named Mike, who was generous with me with his time. He didn't tell me that things were, you know, great. He didn't try to quote scriptures at me. He didn't even always invite me to, you know, the things that were going on. He just simply was generous with his time. Hey, I got to run to Joplin. You want to go with me? Other ways that God can use us is through our talents. Sean talked about it last week, which, by the way, didn't they do a great job the last couple of weeks? Let's give him a hand. God uses our talents to help other people. I was a youth pastor here at this church for close to 10 and a half, about 10 and a half years. And our lead pastor uh, before me, his name was Jim Sucraw. And I would get in Jim's van, and Jim's van just smelt like ministry. That's a good way to say it. Because one of Jim's talents was compassion and mercy. And when we're generous with what God's given us, my talent and mercy is not, my talent and gift is not mercy, but I have other talents, as do you. As we're generous with what God's given us, it reaches people for the Lord and our treasure, which we'll be talking about in just a minute. And, and, and the, most important for us, for the, the most important thing for us to remember today is that in today's culture, the central way that God demonstrates his generous love is through his people, the church. People reaching people through people. God uses people to reach people. The central way that God demonstrates his generous love for people, let's finish it, is through his people, the church. That's the mechanism that God uses. Did you know that we have somebody in our church that that takes a bulletin every Sunday or over the weekend to shut-ins out here at Via Christi Village? Not all of us go, but one does. Did you know there's a few people that get on a bus before everybody else gets here on Wednesday night and they 
drive and go pick up kids for Wednesday night programs. We don't all do that, but some do. As we use the gifts that God has us, it reaches people around us. In fact, being generous towards the church, it mobilizes the church and it equips the body of believers to be the church that Jesus desires. As we are generous towards others, specifically towards the church, it mobilizes and equips believers to be the church that Jesus desires. Now, maybe most people have gone to church in their life. In fact, talking with some people that go to this church, I'll say, you know, tell me your story. And they'll say, well, I used to go to church, but I had a bad experience. A lot of times when they've had a bad experience, here's why. When a body of believers aren't generous towards the church with their time and their talent and their treasure, it paralyzes the church, and then all these other nasty things happen backbiting and disunity, and we start getting focused on you know, ourselves, and, and there's all these kinds of things. Some of you know situations like that. But Paul says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. We should be generous to everyone, but especially to the family of faith. Why? I mean, if you've read some scripture here and there, maybe you've, you've noticed that sometimes Paul's saying, especially the church, or, you know, support people, especially other believers. Why? The reason why is because God set it up that the church is the primary way. It's not the only way, but the primary way that God reaches people is through his people. And if we're not generous with our resources, it paralyzes us from advancing the gospel. So the question is, do you understand why Jesus finds value in helping mobilize the church? Not just our church, any church. And the answer probably is yes. But the bigger question is, do you and I help mobilize the church? I mean, this is a local church. There's church all over the world, right? There's churches all over the world that make up the body of Christ. And someday, like Adam said, maybe tomorrow, Jesus will come back and we'll go to heaven and we'll become, you know, the whole bride of Christ, the church. But this local church, do you help mobilize your church through your time, through your talent or your treasure? Or do you just value that other people give their time, talent, and treasure? Noah's been, he got a PS4 for Christmas, and so he's been playing it a lot. And I brought him in a sandwich after I just made Luke a sandwich and picked, picked up the living room and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks. And then he's talking to his friend online and they're playing. I'm like, do you really, you value the sandwich, but do you know what I did to make the sandwich? Like, you just barely said thank you. I had a hundred things going on. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Folks, we can value a lot of things that people do, but that doesn't help us inherit eternal life. And it certainly doesn't allow other people to experience God's eternal life and experience the the love that God has for each of us. It doesn't allow that to happen by just valuing it. God calls us to do it. In fact, it's impossible 
to be generous towards others regularly if we're not walking with God consistently. I shared that whole compassion mercy thing. There's a lot of people in this church that are full of compassion and have the gift of mercy. I mean, this is a overall as a whole, this body of people is generous in many different ways. But for somebody like me, whose natural gift is not compassion and mercy, if I'm not, well, I'm just be, I'll pick on myself, if I'm not walking with God consistently, I can't demonstrate compassion and mercy because I'm not wired like that. It takes the Spirit of God. Bethany was just saying it. Spirit of the living God. Folks, anything is possible when we're walking with God. Amen? God's Spirit in our hearts allows us to be capable of anything. But in order for us to be generously, generous regularly towards others, we have to walk with God consistently. Last couple of weeks, Adam and Sean talked about time and talent. Today, we're talking about treasure. God wants to use our treasure to build his kingdom. There's this prophet, his name was Malachi, and he was like God's messenger to the people of Israel. And God tells Malachi a message that's not going to be really popular. He says, hey, Israel's got some flaws, and one of their flaws is, is that they're not being generous with their, with their giving, and it's, it's kind of it's keeping the church from being able to, to go and reach. So Malachi says to the church, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. All the tithes was like 10% of their income. And then it says, so there will be enough food. Say that with me. So there will be enough food. In other words, what he's saying is 10% of their income is enough food for the temple. Folks, tithe, the giving, being generous, talent, time, and treasure, tithe, it's a biblical response to God's generosity while funding the advancement of the gospel. Well, Kyle, I see what you did here. You got in the shallow end of the pool. You got us all agreeing on this whole generous thing, and then you led into giving. You're right. (laughs) That's what I did. It's not fun to talk about tithe. Nobody wants to talk about money. Money's a tense thing. In fact, in our community, in Crawford County, the average salary is $20,000, and 51% of the housing in Pittsburgh is rentals. So the reality is, we don't have a ton of money as a community. And yet God calls us, regardless of income and status and what part of the world we're in, He calls us to be generous with our time and our talent and our treasure. Why? Because there's people alongside the road that are broken and are hurting and need help. And then Malachi says this, and it's from God. If you are generous, God says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. When I was a when Noah was younger, he would watch Tom and Jerry. It's actually a 1960s cartoon, but they have reruns, and I used to watch it as a kid too. And they would always have this scene where the windows open and the 
somebody's just made an apple pie and the smell's going out the window and the cat, you know, is drawn to the food because it smells good. You think of a window being open, it's transparent and it allows, you know, people to smell and taste and feel. Folks, we don't do good things so we get good things in return, but the promise is this. When we are generous, it comes back. It's not why we do things, but it happens. Maybe not in the monetary way that we want, or maybe even in the way we want, but the blessing of being generous to other people. Why? You can't outgive God. You and I can't outgive God. God is never saying, I owe you one. He says, I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. You want to know, one of the hardest things to do is to consider our, our, our money. I mean, it's one thing to give our time to push somebody out of the ditch. It's one thing to use our talent, which probably we like to do because we're good at it. I mean, if I could shred a guitar, seriously, I'm going to be honest with you. If I could shred electric guitar, I would want to do that. I would want to stand up here and play it. But to give treasure finances, sometimes when we don't necessarily feel like we have it to give, is another thing. But Jesus says, and God says in Malachi, put me to the test. Read that up there. Put me to the test. Did you know when it comes to giving financially tithe, it's the only topic in Scripture, the only one where Jesus or God calls us to test him. The only place in Scripture where God says, try me. Try giving. Because the truth is, it's not a it's not a fear thing. It's not a, if I have it thing, it's, it's a faith thing. Paul says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a... Then he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to a pastor doing a series on finances. Wait, it just says pressure, but you know what I'm saying? Because God loves a person who gives. God loves a person who gives cheerfully, right? So I'm not good at gift giving. Some of you guys are really good and thoughtful at gift giving. I'm not very good at it. So while I, I celebrate that Jesus was born in a manger, Christmas always brings me anxiety because every year my wife is wanting me to give her a gift that she likes. And most years I end up falling short. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes it's because I don't put enough thought into it. I mean, she doesn't like an extension cord. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what's, we need one. You know what I mean? So after you know, several years of thinking, it'd just be nice if you put a little bit more thought into what you're getting me, stupid, then, 
She didn't say that, but I know that's what she meant. So this year I actually did. I decided I'm going to actually put some thought into this. And, and knowing my wife, she likes things that are sentimental. She doesn't want me to just grab her some shirt or something. She wants me to think about something. So I was online looking around, and I found this website where you can customize blankets. She likes these throw blankets. And so I went on there, and I found you know, a, a picture of Whitney and I and the kids and so on. And I customized it you know, and sent it off. And so it came back, and I wrapped it up. And she opened that gift up, and she was so excited, which made me you know, excited. She's like, thank you. You actually got it right this year. (laughs) And you know what? I actually liked giving that gift. I wanted to give that gift. Then there's other gifts. You know, when you get together with people at Christmas time, you don't even know who half of them are, and you got to give them a gift. My, my, you know, my in-laws, we give a gift to nephew and niece and Eddie's kid and Larry's kid. I don't even know who half of them are. And then you give them a gift, you try to put thought into it, and they look at it and roll their eyes, and it's like, why do we even do this every year? There's the obligation giving, right? You have to give to somebody out of obligation. And then there's that gift because you want to. Folks, when we understand that when we give our time, when we give our talents, when we give our treasure, it's advancing the gospel. It's investing in seeing people's lives changed for Jesus Christ. When we look at it as an obligation, or when we look at it as they need the help, or they need the money, or they don't need the help, and they don't need the money, it takes the joy out of it. When we look at it, and just like last week when I drove by the homestead on a Sunday night, and I peered in the window and I see a bunch of college kids back from winter break in there talking. And all the cars that were parked outside. And I see different people that have climbed on one of our church buses and driven around in the neighborhoods. And they come back and the kids are getting off the bus. When I hear stories about kids that have come back from camp, and their lives have been impacted. It helps me to realize that it's so important that we give our time and our talent and our treasure to the church because it mobilizes our church for ministry. The tithe isn't intended to produce guilt, but rather joy. I get to invest in the kingdom of God. So what do we do? We just have to prayerfully consider how we can give, and prayerful considering leads to cheerful giving. Say that with me. Prayerful considering leads to cheerful giving. When I thought about what I could get Whitney, not just I got to get her something, when I thought about it, I had an idea that made me excited. Folks, when we pray to God, We don't just say, here's what I'm going to do, or here's what I'm going to give, or here's how I'm going to spend my time. When we prayerfully consider it, when we think about it, God may give you an answer, which will bring joy into your heart and will allow you to step out in faith and do that or give that. Paul says, and God will generously provide all that you want as you give. 
No, it says God will provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with yourself. (laughs) Share with others, right? When it comes to tithe, you and I can't outgive God. Tithe is a first fruits offering, not a leftover donation. When we give the first thing, unrelated to our church, some of you will get a job somewhere else and you'll move away. Some of you will go to some other church at some point. Some of you will stay here. Some of you will grow up and go somewhere else. If we understood that what God has given us, has generously given to us, we are to give the first fruits of that to invest in the kingdom. Not if we have any left over. Because the truth is, money, right? There's never, always, there's never going to be any left over. It's always going somewhere for something. So the question today, I realize it's a different kind of message. We do this once a year. If you're new today, I don't do this all the time. We do it once a year. We do the same series every year because mobilizing the church is so important. Are you generously giving your treasure to help mobilize and equip your local body of believers? For some of you, that creates no tension because you are. For some of us, it creates tension because maybe we're not. Here's what I would say with this. If I tried to run a marathon when I don't run all the time, I'm going to fail because I'm not conditioned to run a marathon. But they also have this Couch to 5K app which is for people like me where you choose this military voice or this kind lady voice who will tell you, start walking, jog. You can walk again. That's what I need. So for you and I today, if you're not giving, don't worry about giving 10% unless God tells you to. Just start giving something faithfully cheerfully some of you we'd said the same thing last year and we said the same thing to you and if that's you maybe you increase it a little bit this year maybe last year you were given one percent maybe this year you give two percent but give something are you generously giving your treasure to help mobilize and equip your local body of believers why does that matter This is probably my least favorite sermon every year to preach, being honest. I would rather not. In fact, last year I gave it to Adam. (laughs) Nobody likes to preach about this. Nobody wants, immediately we get tense. But here's the reality. There's people on the side of the road that need help. The main way they get help is through the mobilization of the church. Let's stand together this morning.